Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you have been thinking about your well-being because this is coming out in the middle of well-being week. So if you follow us on social media, you would have seen us sharing the five steps to mental well-being, which is something that you can find more information about on the NHS website, on the Mind website, and these are research-backed steps to well-being. So I'm going to summarise them now quickly because if you're not following us and you're not sure what I'm talking about, (laughs) they're a good thing to think about for ways to help us to manage our mental well-being and to have a boost if we're having one of those days that we all have where we are just struggling a little bit and and finding things a bit difficult. Uh, So the first one is movement, being active, exercising is something that is talked about so much. It's something that is mentioned so often by guests on the podcast and there's a real reason for that because we have that chemical hit of the endorphins in the brain and we get that sense of confidence when we can challenge ourselves and and achieve goals and kind of realize what we are capable of and there's also something really powerful about really focusing on what our body is doing because I know for me certainly my mind gets a lot quieter when I'm focusing on my body and how things feel rather than all those thoughts kind of circling around so movement connection we are social and connecting with other people is so important and whether that is having emotional support providing emotional support both of which are uh, so helpful for our well-being because we get that boost of helping other people and having that that person those people that we can turn to when we are struggling is, is really powerful and we have that sense of belonging Uh, that's so important to us of of, yeah feeling connected to people the next one is giving so whether that is your time whether it is random acts of kindness whether it is donating funds just altruistic stuff where we are reaching out and and giving to others really gives us a boost it can give us a sense of purpose a sense of meaning and we can feel good about ourselves for helping other people the next one is learning continuing to learn to develop and uh, to grow in that way um because yeah again we are in beginner's mind we are growing we're developing and and that's all great stuff but we can get this real sense of achievement of enjoyment from learning and yeah there's something really powerful about engaging curiosity and developing new skills and learning and i would 100 percent recommend you know finding something you're really interested in to learn when you're free from that need to learn that's associated with school and even with career to a certain extent, just kind of being separate from that and just learning just for the sake of it and, and for enjoyment. And then the, the last one is about really being present. So this could be, if you think about mindfulness and, and what that means, but really just being in the moment, being connected to what is happening in the here and now. And we talk a lot about joy and about these small moments uh, that are just a, that are amazing moments. And being 
in the now rather than in our own minds, where we are quite often just living in the past or in the future. Really being in the now means that you can really feel alive and feel connected again. And, and you know, if you can be present, you will find that it has a massive impact. So, you know, if you're uh, spending time with, with a loved one and you can actually really be there with them in that moment, rather than worrying about what's happening tomorrow, or I should have done this, I should have said that, and all of that kind of stuff, that, that kind of brain noise that's going on, if we can really just be in that moment with that person, the quality of our relationships can be so much deeper, much more, yeah, I don't know, connected. I, I just keep coming back to the word <laughs> connected. But yeah, so these move, connect, give, learn, and be present are those, those five steps. Uh, so I've been talking about them on social media this week. Actually, this is coming out before the last two will <laughs> be posted. But if you are struggling with your well-being, I would encourage you to think about those five. Think about how you are spending your time this week and seeing if you can add in some of one of those steps and, and see what impact it has. And I would always encourage you to reflect on it, how you found it, the, the impact it had. And as we always say here, it's a toolbox approach and it will look different for different people. So just experiment, think about those five things and uh, yeah, let us know how, how you get on. And uh, I'm really excited to welcome this week's guest and to dive into this episode. I kind of chatted a bit more than I have been of, <laughs> of late at the, at the beginning. But I really enjoyed chatting with Sheila, who is today's guest, who is um, an amazing author and who is sharing with us her experience of PTSD. So I'll be back afterwards just to talk a bit more generally about what PTSD is is from a kind of, I guess, factual perspective and to uh, signpost to some places you can go for support if this is something that you are struggling with as well and you are not sure where to go, where to go for help. Uh, so again, thanks to Sheila for joining us and let's dive into our conversation and I'll see you again after. Hi everyone and I'm really excited to welcome this week's guest Sheila to the podcast. So welcome and if you could introduce yourself to listeners and tell us a little bit about you. Hi I'm Sheila Kay. I'm a writer, editor, speaker. I also just recently started a television program Unmasked with Sheila Kay and wife, mother, proud Remy. Awesome so let's start with your new TV show. What's that all about? Yeah, it's called Unmasked with Sheila Kay. Uh, it's in Roku streaming right now, going to Amazon streaming. And what it does basically is we're going week by week, taking off the masks of pretending we're okay when we're really not. So many of us do that. And I happen to be a Christian, and it's really prevalent in the Christian community that in order to keep other people encouraged or just not to, to show yourself. It's a lot of naming and claiming and quoting scriptures and all that. And there's things going on behind there that, from my experience, and we'll talk about that later, can be dangerous if you continue to mask and, and not just say how you really feel and then go from there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's so true that, that we all 
mask. Yeah, and I think at the moment there's there's so much happening in the world, isn't there, that there is probably a lot of that going on. There is. The thing that about it is unmasking, as I'm calling it right now, it's a continual process. It's never done. It's something, and that's what the show is about, something to use as a tool to remind ourselves to, to keep at least trying to do it. The, the healing is in the work, and it's never a completed completed uh, process. So I'll be having other people, we'll talk later about my uh, PTSD diagnosis, post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis and what happened there. And that's kind of what birthed, I have three published books. That's kind of what birthed me getting into trying to help people, let them see what I went through, practical as well as, as, well as spiritual advice and experiments and listening to other, other people as well. Because say we're definitely not alone we're very much connected regardless of religion race location we're very much connected in that in that we may be masking or hiding rather than hurt somebody else or uh, in my case rather than upset my children or my husband or family there may be reasons and some people as i said in the first segment of my show just don't have it in them to talk to say this is what's really going, especially men, this is what's really going on with me because they want to be the provider, they want to be the strength, they want to be that. And a lot of our men, and now even young people, they're, they're learning that same habit. And so my point is, as you say, we're all going to have it. We cannot run away from what's going on in the world with our health, what's going on, but there are tools that we can use and tips and that we can share. And that's what I'm going to encourage. The show just launched yesterday. But what I will be encouraging is to share. Share what information, what worked for you? You know, what may work for me? And me to share years of experience of what has been working for me and helping me through it. Amazing. Well, congratulations on the launch. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, completely in line with what we're all about on the podcast, because we always want to leave people with practical things that they can try out. And I'm, I personally don't think there's a one size fits all approach that suits everyone. And it's, it's like a, like a toolbox. So every guest that comes on, puts some things in the toolbox and the listeners can try, try them on. And I think that's so helpful to just hear a lot different ideas of strategies and, and like you said different viewpoints different perspectives different experiences work at certain times maybe this week this will work for me so I'll take that out of the toolbox and then next week I don't need that I'll pick something else too that's why on the show I'll have guests from from a variety of backgrounds and experiences to as you say to fill the toolbox that's a really good analogy fill the toolbox with tools that you can use when you need them and use them how. Not everybody uses tools the same either. To use them when and how you need to do them. Your show, for instance, that's a, a very good avenue to go to and say, let, let me hear what somebody else has done or gone through. Let me use practical things. That's my, my thing. I tell me what I can do practically in, in Sheila's life that will help get me over a hump or even help me help someone else. So in, in that sense, we are, I say on the show, we know each other from somewhere. That's kind of my tagline. We know mm -hmm. each other from somewhere in that, 
as you said in the beginning, we all go to the same place to hide vulnerability. We all do. We all go there. Yeah, we all wonder where to turn, who to turn to, and then we question trusting ourselves. And in the case, as I said, I have a Christian slant. In the case of Christians, we rather take it on, or whatever religion or belief a person has, take it on themselves rather than giving it to whomever they worship, rather than giving it to something or someone bigger than they are. And we take that on on, ourse- on ourselves and then we question why, why aren't we achieving? But we wear shoes that are far too big for us if we try to take it all on mentally, at least for me, by myself, every time. I, I trip and fall <laughs> every time. Uh- I think we all do. <laughs> um, I think vulnerability that you said there is so key. And I think this is something that possibly you mentioned with men, it being a real thing of, of not opening up. And I think there's so much social stuff, isn't there, around men and being open with feelings. Right. But vulnerability is that is that key thing. And um, so I think that's a really important reminder. And that actually the thing that I like to remember is, that being vulnerable takes a huge amount of strength and actually it's not yeah it's not associated with weakness it takes courage and strength to actually like take the mask off and and be open yes it doesn't it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel comfortable and for a lot of people it feels like weakness i'm being if i open up when actually, as you say, you're being stronger. It took years from my personal trauma to me talking to you today to get to the point where I can say, hey, I don't feel good. Church, home, right now, I'm not, I'm not feeling quite well. I'm not, something's off. And it took years to do that. Um, one episode I'll have going forward, I'll explain how after my trauma, I masked so deeply that it led to me with the post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's the extreme, that's masking to the extreme. It can be dangerous masking so much that there's so many layers that by the time you get to the root root cause of what's going on, it can be harmful to your physical health, your mental health. It, It can be harmful. Not that everybody wants to be an open book, but where, I believe is a good start is to turn the camera lens on yourself and take that picture of yourself. Learn to accept wherever it is, however it looks, learn to accept that before you go out. And I'm going to tell everything that's going on in my heart and mind. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that, but that, that <laughs> you'd be surprised. I know I was, but I really, I mean, I was so busy looking out, projecting out, to other people and my family and, and so forth. And then when things happened, I really, I didn't want to see, I, did, I didn't want to know that something was really wrong. Not me, not the smart one in the family, not the mom, you know, not me. It couldn't, couldn't be. And I went for six months before I got help. So I encourage people to do that. Start if they're not ready to talk to someone else or God or whomever, they're spiritual then first start with themselves. Turn, turn that lens around, take a picture, accept what you see and start stepping from there. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think that you need to, you know, jump to being a completely open book with everybody. You know, just having a couple of yeah, just having a couple of people in your life that that you know actually I can be open with those people if I need some help or some some support. Yes. There I can go to. Definitely. And if you take a step back from there and start with knowing yourself, once you kind of know yourself, you will be a little more aware of who you can trust with mm. those feelings and, and what you, you'll know. Yeah, you'll have instinct, you'll have better insight about yourself. So you take, you start there, take a step back. And you, I was surprised to know who I really, really was despite and because of the trauma. But I was, again, so busy looking outward that my mind was not focused on me. And when I did, and I'll be honest, when I did turn the camera on myself, I I resented the attention I was giving myself. I know that sounds strange, but what I mean is I was so used to projecting outward, helping others, that it was uncomfortable to me to give myself that much attention because I didn't want to draw attention to whatever was going on with me. And I didn't want to draw attention from other people. Hmm. I guess that's maybe a sort of um, denial of the stuff going on with you. If you can like push it down, I'm fine. Look at how, all these people I'm helping and all this stuff I'm doing. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. There you go. Until you hit a brick wall, hmm. which is what with me, which is what birthed my first published book, which is PTSD and the undefeated me. And what I, in that book is maybe three years after the trauma, I started writing and writing and I realized with help of therapy, help of family, and I started learning that a lot of the behaviors that I was doing after the trauma was from way back when I was actually a child. Mm. And I rewriting the book and it became a memoir so I was able to talk about the trauma then go back just for other people to say hey look look into your past is there something there that might have triggered the PTSD maybe someone else could have gone through what you went through without having such a severe severe problem so yes looking look it's all it starts with it starts with us it starts with you it starts with me and it sounds easy. Some people, they have no problem. No, Yeah, I'll look at myself all day long. But are you really looking? Are you really looking? And if you find yourself, as I did, having severe mental problems, uh, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, then, yeah, you know, seek, seek some help. Seek, definitely seek help. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned about um, trauma and then the PTSD. And I wonder if you could share a little bit, if you're comfortable to, about that experience. Certainly, I would love to. I was the typical housewife, church-going, minister's wife, idyllic lifestyle. And one day, I happened to notice uh, bumps on my husband's head, thought it was a rash. Fast forward two days later, he's got a 102 degree fever taken to the hospital. What had happened with my husband is he was prescribed a medication that his body reacted to and literally he was skinned alive. His body rejected his skin. And so from the day we took him to the hospital, 11 days later, he was, he was deceased. 
but the way in which he died was so horrific and so traumatic that being the dutiful wife that I am, I would go in, I'd look at him and I'm seeing things I don't want to mention on your show. I'm seeing this, but I'm not allowing it in. And I'm talking to him like I'm talking to you and yet seeing this horrific, horrific condition and kept it in. He passed away, hit the ground running build a house, do this, do that, do that, the other, until, like I say, six months later, as I go into detail in the book, I started having horrible symptoms. I knew something was very, very wrong. At first, I denied and said, oh, it's just grief. I'm grieving. And I was. But some things are beyond grief. And that's that knowing yourself even before something happens. You don't have to wait until something happens. But start getting to kind of know yourself. We check ourselves. Women do self-breast exams. We check ourselves. We check our mental, check in every now and then with, with our mental health, which I had never really done. Me, it's mental health problem. So I hadn't done that. So it just blindsided me, the whole thing. And my first thing to do was cover it up, cover it up. Yeah. So that, what what led to the book and that was in the book was written in 2015 and the incident in, in 2011 and I suppose in in that situation because you're trying to be strong and supportive for your husband so there is that that mask there that trying to hide it but then I guess not processing that and just burying it down until six Absolutely. months later like you said it came up again yeah Absolutely. And in looking at myself afterward, when I was writing the book, I realized that I actually had that, let's call it talent, as even as a child, when there were things I really didn't want to see, I used to say I could blur, I blur things out. So I would look at it, but not really seeing it. That was a habit, Hannah, that I actually had had all through childhood and didn't realize it until it became this issue. So yes, I, and when he was in the hospital, I'd be talking to him and smiling and talking and I saw what I saw, but I wouldn't process. I never let it in. I never let it in. I saw everything, smells, sounds, everything. And I didn't, I wouldn't know I cannot let this in. I cannot. And I didn't talk to anybody beyond the grieving widow. I didn't go, I didn't go beyond that. And it was, it was more than that. So People think with post-traumatic stress disorder, as you probably know, it used to uh, just apply to military. There's a lot of non-military people like me, uh, first responders, um, caregivers, people that that have been victimized or, or have been in disasters that develop PTSD or similar and don't realize it, don't see it. Um, I know someone who saw a, a house burning, a fire. And because of her sensitivity and the way she was, it really affected her. And she didn't know what was wrong. I wasn't, as she said, I wasn't in the fire. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, but it affected her. And and uh, she, she did. She had, for years, nightmares and, you know, things like that. So, what good among other things that came out of that book was I was able to connect first with a lot of veterans. My husband's a veteran and veterans started reaching out to me, reaching out to me. And then slowly but surely other people started reaching out and said, oh, this happened to me. Or Sometimes they wouldn't tell me. I don't need to know. But they would say, you know, I'm ha having some of those symptoms in the back of that book. 
I do provide resources and what some symptoms are and things like that. And people, people recognize that. So with me and millions of others, just a voice to say, hey, not everybody has to be on the front line in the military to have PTSD. They used to call it shell shock. But now, yeah, it, it's people, even children. Yeah. I suppose, you know, if you, if you break down the name of it, post-traumatic, any type of trauma there it is. Can I don't know if you if you know that like, animals can get PTSD as well. Yeah. So certainly. Yeah, and I mean I've got a rescue dog, and he fortunately isn't too bad. But I know some people, and they they have dogs that have a particular phobia or reaction, and uh, so any trauma can right. can lead to this. And as say, it's post traumatic stress disorder. And so people take stress lightly. A lot of people, oh, I'm just stressed and blow it, you know, blow it off. But especially in the climate that we're in right now, I expect and I pray for that there will be people that have symptoms related to post-traumatic stress disorder. And it may not be they didn't have anything to eat or they lost their job or it could just be. I know for me, I am affected just because this is what it is. It's something brand new to me. It's it, the whole world has changed. I'm distanced from family members, things like that. It causes stress. And that leads me to my latest book that was released last month was Why God Doesn't Have Mood Swings. I understand that all of your listeners are not Christians. But what this book does, and it can apply, what this book does is go through each of the emotions that we feel, frustration, anger, fear, weariness, I think it's about nine or 10, go through each one of those and be able, again, like we've been saying, accept, see it first, accept it and deal with it in whatever that looks like for you. Accept it first. And we're such, you know, we're such strong and independent beings and, and all of that. But we're, we're, as we keep saying, vulnerable in so many ways. Mm. And so you said when your first book came out, you had lots of people reaching out to you to share their experience. Yeah. And how was that, having all these people kind of come to you and really respond to your book? Was it therapeutic in some way? Good question. At the time, I was about four years out from, from that trauma. For about the first six or seven months, I did the same thing, Hannah. I hit the ground running and all these people were coming at me and I had my daughter set up the Facebook and I had the Facebook. I did podcast interviews. I did all this. And one day I went on Facebook. Literally, I felt like I was being watched by millions of people and I I didn't like it. So something, either someone said kind of triggered some things in me that I thought, and that's the other part of unmasking is a process that I thought was, was okay. I'm fine. Hey, you know, I'm selling books. People are reaching out to me, but I wasn't ready to carry that burden at that time. So I went forward with my daughter. I did a couple of speaking engagements and all of that, but I could feel the weight of that. So I, I shut down. I sold the books on Amazon, but came off of social media. It was too much at the time. 
I was not quite re as ready as I thought to, to to take on other other people. So it was affirming in the sense that I talked to people that understood those people that understood some of the things that I was doing. You can't, I can't think of the movie. There was a movie that showed a soldier who had PTSD and, and he was at a barbecue and everybody was cooking and he was really reliving. People don't understand PTSD is not memory. It's reliving over, as you well know, over and over and over. And so something that happened with that first book, it triggered whatever was in me, and I felt a lot. I started feeling fear, uh, hypervigilance. I started feeling these things. I'm being watched. I'm being watched. So I pulled back socially. At that, pulled back socially. Still sold the books, and surprisingly to me, with the release of this new book, which is entirely different to me anyway. Now more people are coming back around to the PT. D book. What I didn't want to be was the poster child for PTSD. I didn't want that. There's nothing to pity here. There's nothing to fear here, you know. But people are coming around and they recognize, oh, she's the one that that wrote that. So I called it PTSD and the undefeated me because I am undefeated. I do live a full life, but I don't fool myself and watch things I shouldn't watch or or see or hear or speak things that I shouldn't because nine years down the road, I can still be triggered. So in answer to your question at that time, it worked for a while, but then it triggered. And so socially, I'm much, much better now. I'm on all, all social media, as they say now, but at that time, it was far too soon to jump out there like that alone. Hmm. And I suppose for people reading it, that idea of this person understands what I'm going through, I guess, naturally uh, attracts people or you know, draws people to you. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think it's, you know, what you just said there is really clear about linking back to that knowing yourself. And if you are dealing with, I guess, any type of mental disorder or mental illness, knowing yourself, knowing those triggers, knowing those things and I so I have anxiety and depression that that come up in cycles and so I've got much better at knowing these are the things that that stress me out and actually so at the moment I'm doing all right because a lot of it is social so you know certain places I can tolerate for a certain amount and then I just know I can feel it in my body like I've had enough now I need to yeah, yeah, yes. back. yeah. and so actually at the moment being um self-isolating at home isn't too bad because actually that that anxiety is not not being triggered but I think that is I understand that more than you know <laughs> <laughs> but I think <laughs> it just really highlights that importance doesn't it of self-knowledge and self-awareness right. and looking out for yourself yeah. and I think you know we do the same with our physical health we'd kind of think about looking after ourselves and not putting us into ourselves into too much risk and I guess we all have different levels of risk yeah, tolerance right with the mental stuff we don't really think about it in the same way but I think mm. it's really important to do that it's it's, it's, it's life or death um mm. we meaning humans most of us will go to a dentist we'll go to a chiropractor <laughs> 
will get all kinds of help for, as you say, the physical parts of your body. But so many of us are hesitant to get mental health. It used to be such a stigma. And that I point out in the PTSD book that, you know, it's, it's, it's not a stigma. It's, as you said, it's ta- it takes strength, it takes courage, and it can mean your life. I got to a point before I got help, suicidal, not only thoughts, ideations, and behaviors. So it's it can be life and death. Now, once you know that, as you, you you're very aware, as I am, of oh, it's it's time to back out. It's time. Does that diminish who we are? Does that diminish? Oh, you know, I have PTSD or I have anxiety, depression. Does that diminish you as a person? What I've finally got a good grip on is not only does it not diminish, it sort of gives you a power and it gives you intuition. My intuition is much sharper than it used to be, not only about myself, but of others. I can have a conversation with someone and almost know immediately that they're hiding something. So many times I've even been in a grocery store or somewhere just talking casually with someone and I'll sense it. I'll know it and and I'll say something and they'll, they'll just break down. And then all of this you know, starts coming out, coming out. So it's not, and that's my, my message, PTSD and all other mental health conditions, they are not, they are, they are not, they do not diminish. Rather, empower because truth be told as you probably know there's more people there are more people with mental health conditions on some level than are not and they're walking around and they're functioning but there are more people that don't either get diagnosed or get diagnosed and ignore it and walking around just just like you or I I think in some point in that book I, I say you know I'm your neighbor I'm your friend I'm that lady you see, you know, it's, I'm, I'm the, the podcast host. I'm, you know, I'm that writer. So it does empower you. What you just said was very empowering. I know you what I heard you say. I know when I'm triggered, I'm backing out. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah, that's where we're, we're kindred spirits. And that's what people need, you know, know it, accept it, use it though. Don't just know it. But use it, use that information. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, obviously on the podcast this is why we're here, like talking about this kind of stuff to try and break down some of that stigma. And But I also think in, like you said, with your example with, with someone in, in, in the shop, that being able to kind of tell some things off, I think it gives you a greater empathy maybe of almost having a sense that, they're going through something like I did and, and and kind of understanding maybe a bit more because of that similarity of, of experience or or having not felt mentally healthy at a certain point in life. Is. I think it really helps with that. And I also have a, just quite a random um, thing that I've noticed. So with my, my anxiety, I'm quite hypervigilant, which I never really realised I was, but I am. And uh, a few years ago, I was traveling and we were in the Amazon at night and we're doing one of these walks. I'm amazing at spotting frogs and spiders in the dark on the floor, like some things. I was like, spider, frog. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a weird positive (laughs) being vigilant. I could see all this stuff. Strange gift. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It does. Exactly. It does enhance 
empathy. Is that this like to also uh, a doctor, a nurse? My mom passed away last year, and she was an RN most of her life, a nurse, and she could look at people and tell they have some type of physical illness. She said the eyes give it away, the skin sometimes, this and that. So empathy, yes, but also, like you said, we've developed or been given a responsibility. We can call it a gift, but it's certainly a responsibility to 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 see that. I didn't look as closely before. Maybe I was this way all the time, but I didn't look as closely. I wasn't as in tune as I am now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could keep chatting about this stuff uh, all day, but I have some set questions. I ask everyone that comes on and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Uh, So my first one is what always boosts your mood or what brings you joy in your life? First thing popped in my mind was my seven-year-old granddaughter. The one granddaughter that is my absolute joy. Just just talking about her now, it, it lifts me. It lifts me. I'm also a type of person who I'm a creative. And so I love creation. Uh, like now I'm hearing the birds and, and when we hang up, I'm going to go sit on the deck and, 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 and things like that. Beauty, beauty, uh, love of any sort, love of friends. Loving me and me loving them brings me a lot of joy, a lot of uh, a lot of happiness. Love is is big on the list for me. And humor, I I will just bask in comedy movies and comedy shows sometimes. Just my writing can get heavy, and so I have an odd sense of humor. And so humor humor is a big one for me. Yeah. Mm. I think it's so important to be able to have a laugh because it does just just lift you, doesn't it? Just anything, just uh, having a laugh. So my next one, my next question is, what makes life meaningful for you? Having a purpose. Now that purpose can be, as they say, the higher purpose, which is my spiritual purpose, having that purpose. Or it can even be a project around the house. I'm going to guest room. I'm going to just having each day a purpose. I'm going to surprise my husband with this for dinner. Just purpose. Having a reason to be a reason to be something other than focused on my weaknesses, focused on my symptoms, focused on my trigger. I find on days when I wake up and I I realize I really don't have anything set to do that I'm more depressed and nervous and anxious than when I wake up and I realize, oh, I've got to do this. I'm having company, I'm doing that. So I would say per- the answer to that would be purpose. Yeah. I love that idea of having um, a daily purpose to kind of focus you. And it just made me think of um, a quote, or I think it was a, a speech at like a graduation done by Tim Minchin, who is a kind of musical comedian. And he said something along the lines of, you know, we can get so fixated on this, like, big purpose this like higher purpose that it almost like stresses us out that pressure or not reaching it and just to kind of go for these just like smaller purposes and these like smaller amazing things and that that can you know fill up a life as well and it was something more than fine (laughs) yes yeah I got you that's excellent because it that's what life is it's made up of billions and billions of tiny small moments 
Some have purpose, some have meaning, some have deeper meaning. Some is just for that moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good yeah. point. I like that. Yeah. So uh, on the podcast, we're all about, we obviously do go into mental illness and, and disorders and that kind of stuff. But we're, our big mm-hmm. focus is on mental wellness because everybody in their life has a mental world. And, and even if they never experience a period of mental illness, they still, I think, should be thinking about looking after themselves in that way so there's two questions actually the first is what does mental wellness mean to you and the second part is how you look after your own mental well-being for me mental wellness means being starting at okay so let's look at it yeah let's look at it as there's there's this perfect wonderful happy almost manic state then there's this deep dark pit of depression in the middle of that is what i call the okay line and mental wellness for sheila is getting to that staying at that at a minimum that okay line as a foundation okay meaning i'm not having extremes in anything i'm feeling i'm not having extremes in any mood that i'm feeling get to that line and then spring from there and go forward so mental wellness, in a nutshell, to me means being comfortable with being starting at okay, instead of going from a deep, dark depression, sadness, whatever, and shooting past the okay line, shooting past where you need to be. You're way up there, and then you find yourself lost because you didn't stop and pause at okay and accept that it is just that, okay. So that's what mental wellness I I love that so much, that idea of okay, because I think sometimes people get really fixated on this idea of being happy. And I just don't think that's sustainable to have that high happiness all the time. And I just think that okay line is something I've I've not in the same way, but talked about before, just being okay and, and having those highs. And I also think that there is some learning and growth that happens in those lows. And so yeah, just being in that okay and being able to, I guess, like ride that roller coaster <laughs> that is life. And yes, yeah, yeah. yeah grab a hold of that and ride it. And in the lows, you, it's easy to learn in the highs. It's, it's easy. You you learn it in those lows. There are lessons, valuable, even more so sometimes, valuable lessons in those lows. So yes, I agree. Even in the lows, but to, in the lows for me. In the lows, for me, I'm always in danger of going even lower. So I, you know, I'd a dog paddle up to that okay yeah. line as much as I can. Yeah, I think having that to come back to, because again, it again, if you just focus so much on happiness, I think that puts so much pressure on you, and then can make you even lower because you're like, why aren't I feeling happy? Why? And actually, if you can just sit yeah. contented and just be okay, then that's yes, that's enough. Yes. Uh, Media plays a big part in that, and studies have shown. I'm sure you've seen them that it, people get depressed because who, not very many people, are going to put their lowest, deepest, <laughs> darkest part of their life out there for everyone to see. So you see, if you're a social media person, you see page after page of smiling faces and perfect families and perfect marriages and all of this. And and, and me, I would look around and say, I, I'm okay. I love my husband. He loves me. We're okay. But we're just like any other couple. And we up and down, same with the rest of my family. So yes, that 
striving to just shoot past okay and go for greatness. That can not even be in relationships, but even career. Shooting, shooting for the greatest, the GOAT, as everybody's saying now, the greatest of all times, just constantly striving for that. You'd be surprised how many precious moments you're missing at the okay mm-hmm. line. Some of my best are at my okay line. I'm not all the way up. I'm not all the way down. I'm just, I'm just floating and do my nails and just watch a, a comedy movie. Mm. I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I think we should have a movement of just like, being okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, my next question is: um, Can yeah. you describe your mindset? Pretty much, that's it. My mindset is oh, to be aware. At all times, it gets tiring, no doubt. It gets tiring, but I have to stay on alert. My mindset is to, Sheila, be enjoy yourself or be okay, whatever you're going to do, but watch, watch. For me, triggers can sneak up on me. If I'm driving, and you might get a kick out of it, if I'm driving down the road, like you in the book, I say certain things, they trigger me. I can't see anything, rape, brutalization, any of that. But if I'm driving down the road, Hannah, and I even see a dead squirrel or a deer hit, for most people, they go around it and that's it. For me, if I if I focus in on that, it, it'll last for days. My husband used to have a bad habit of, hey, look at that dead animal in the road. <laughs> and I, you know, I would see it out of my peripheral, but I deliberately pull my attention away from things like that because I know how it affects me. So my mindset is to enjoy life, learn what I can from the highs and the lows, but remain watchful first and foremost of me and protect, protect at all costs what goes into my mind, what I see, what I hear, who I see, hear, listen to. So this, my state of mind is helpful. I want, I want to help. That's one of the reasons I'm here today. That's, uh, I learned not just for myself, and I'm not just aware for myself, but aware of others. And I believe I've been helpful in, in that regard. My mindset is to stay on, on high alert in a relaxed state of okay. And to be generous with with my time, with what I say, with, you know, how I can help somebody else. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for that. So we're at the second to last question. And this is the tip, the kind of practical strategy one. So I ask everyone that comes on to leave the listeners with between one and three tips, techniques, put things in that toolbox that they can try out for themselves. So do you have a top one to three things you would recommend? Hi. Let's see. We did the turn the camera around. So as a practical, okay, Sheila, what does that mean? So that means the first thing when you wake up in the morning, of course, your, your mind is flooded. It's flooded. Pause. Put it on pause right there. Assess yourself first. I know you've got this, that, and the other to do, but pause. I don't know how most people wake up, but when I wake up, I'm fully unaware what time it is, what day it is, where I am, and then it all floods in. Oh, this is the day I'm going to talk to Hannah. This is, I say, put that on pause, turn that lens, and and give yourself an assessment of where you are and start from there. I also make it a habit daily 
to be selfish. It's okay to be selfish. By nature, I know in my mind and heart that I'm very, very generous, but outside influence will have you think you're the most selfish person in the world and you're doing everything you can. So since you're going to be called selfish anyway, take some time and be selfish, give to self, whatever it is. It could be something you treat yourself with. It could be selfish just sitting. Sometimes I just sit quiet, no TV, no phone. I'm not answering the phone. I'm turning the phone off and I'm going to be selfish. And then choose what you're going to fill that time with. If if being selfish means I'm going to take an hour to myself now, what am I going to fill that time with? Prepare in advance like you would doing anything else. Prepare in advance. The next time I get that break, how am I going to fill that for Sheila, for Hannah? What do I want to fill that with? Because if not, as you know, your mind will be very glad to fill 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 in the blanks for you. So plan. Plan for yourself just like you plan for others, for your job, for your meals, for your family. Plan, purposeful planning. To me, I'll even write it down. Okay, next Tuesday, of course, and I'm, I'm going to do this when we could go out. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. Now, uh, where I am, I'm in Lawrenceville, Georgia, near Atlanta, Georgia, and the state is on lockdown. And so now my purposeful planning is things like I'm going to take a walk. And I did that the last two days. And my husband was home yesterday look, trying to give me the puppy dog look. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm going for a walk. There's very little I can do, but this walk is for me. I don't want to think about you, the cat. I don't want to think about anybody. So that's the second The second thing is plan for yourself. Be a little selfish. If that means you have to get a little pushback, you're going to get it anyway. You're going to get pushback from somewhere, even if it's internal, you, you'll get pushed back on. Yeah, I, I love that one about, yeah, it's it's that nurturing yourself, isn't it? And that self-care. And I think mm-hmm. we sometimes think so much about caring for others and looking after others that mm-hmm. we forget to, to look after ourselves. So I think that's a really important one. So thank you for those. Mm-hmm. My last question is, how can people connect with you if, if they want to find your books, uh, if you have any presence on social media now, how, uh, how can people find you? On all social media platforms, I am at Sheila K. Writer. And that's S-H-E-I-L-A-K-A-Y, Writer. I have a website, that's SheilaKWriter.com. You can purchase books there. Uh, the books are on Amazon. Uh, Sheila K. Writer. That, you can find me there. And on my new show, Unmasked with Sheila K., on the Paradigm Television Network. <laughs> awesome. And uh, we can definitely put links in the show notes for all of that so people can find all that information. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sheila. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And and, uh, and I think, um, obviously, we're talking from, I don't know, opposite sides of the world almost. Yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of you know, different backgrounds. And we have our own kind of, mental challenges I guess in different ways but I think it really shows that kind of similarity of human experience that we're coming from different perspectives but there's so much kind of common ground and understanding and yeah. I think that's kind of I just really want to highlight different tools one yeah. box we're in yeah I enjoyed it very much thank you so much for having me. oh you're very welcome thank you 
thanks again to Sheila. Uh, she's fab. I so, so enjoyed this conversation uh, and connecting with Sheila. Now, as promised, PTSD, let's talk about it a little bit more from, yeah, a kind of um, informational perspective. So PTSD, as we said, stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And it is a type of anxiety disorder, so it kind of fits under that bracket. And it develops after being involved in witnessing or experiencing a traumatic event. And that event is going to vary, whether that's the ones we kind of think about. And, and Sheila mentioned about shell shock, something like that is something that can be quite common with veterans who are coming back from serving, serving abroad. But it can also happen to people who are sharing, who have experienced a traumatic event in their own life. So we were joined on episode 38 uh, back at the uh, towards the end of May by Tiffany, Tiffany Mensah, who shared her experience of PTSD, uh, complex PTSD, which for her, that traumatic event was growing up in a home where domestic violence occurred. So that traumatic event can be uh, a whole range of things. And obviously Sheila shared her experience of that uh, traumatic event. So it's not just soldiers or people that have been in a kind of war type situation that experience PTSD. And as, as we've talked about, it's, it's not just a feeling of anxiety that, um, there are symptoms such as feeling numb, having trouble sleeping, uh, and things that we maybe associate with anxiety more generally. But one of the things that is, um, I guess maybe specific to PTSD is these flashbacks and Sheila uh, did share about this about having to be careful because it's not just a thought it's really feeling like reliving uh, that experience and those feelings so it's kind of more a uh, located in the body than, than just in the mind. So with PTSD, there are in the UK different diagnoses. It could be mild, moderate or severe. And that's kind of focused on the impact the symptoms are having more about kind of the, the day to day functioning. It's not a judgment on the, the traumatic event. It is just about how it is impacting on on your life. And there are a couple of different types of PTSD. There is delayed onset PTSD, which is where those those symptoms don't emerge at the time. So more than six months after experiencing the trauma. So you just kind of, I guess as Sheila said, get in there and just kind of roll with it. And then it's something that happens later. It kind of hits you later. Complex PTSD, and this is something that Tiffany spoke about in episode 38. This is about trauma at an early age uh, that lasted for a long time uh, and had an impact in that way. So if that is your experience, the, the trauma you experienced, then you possibly be given this diagnosis of complex PTSD. And then there is another type uh, which is called birth trauma and this is uh, related to a traumatic experience of childbirth um, and we've talked about maternal mental health more broadly when we when we spoke with Cassie back on episode 21 in February. Birth trauma could be part of that experience uh, if if there had been a traumatic birth. So there are, there are so many misconceptions about mental health generally and about PTSD. 
people might think that you're dwelling on past events that you just need to get over it you just need to move on but it is absolutely not a sign of weakness it is yeah having experienced this traumatic events and as we said it's not just thinking about it it is much more uh yeah kind of embodied if you like if you are thinking about how you can help yourself lots of the tools and strategies that guests suggest on the shows can really help so if you are in the uh in, in a flashback if you're distressed focusing on your breathing so really just trying to connect with the breath slowly breathing in and out whilst counting and really just separating uh trying to separate from that feeling and on a chemical level that is helping your parasympathetic nervous system to engage so helping you to calm down and I talked about well-being in the beginning that being present and trying to reconnect to the present and it might be that you have something that's kind of an anchor something that you carry with you that you have that is going to help you to connect to the present if you are experiencing a flashback Self-talk might be really important, so telling yourself that you're safe, reminding yourself that the trauma is over, that you are, that you're safe. And, and with a lot of these strategies, in the moment when you're experiencing it, it's really hard to do. So a good thing to try and do is, in advance, have a think about, okay, when I have a flashback, this is what happens. So I'm going to try these techniques. So having maybe a script or a couple of sentences that you can tell yourself or having those things in place because when we are in a, a highly anxious state in the moment, we are not thinking clearly. We're, we're just in kind of like survival mode. So doing that thinking beforehand of the strategies that you're going to try when you are in that heightened state is, is really important. So thinking about those and exploring with uh, grounding techniques, maybe uh, one of the things that I like to do for grounding is to think about my senses, to so tune into each sense in turn. What can I see? What can I hear? What can I smell? So really thinking about being in the moment. So yeah, that, that's a kind of a few suggestions you can do in the moment. And again, thinking about that strategy, one of the things that might be quite beneficial is to reflect and to think about your triggers. So what are the situations where flashbacks have happened? Is there something common within those are there specific reminders smells sounds places things like that that may be triggers for you and knowing those so that that you one possibly avoiding them if, if that's possible for you or having that awareness of i'm going into a situation where there may be triggers so i need to have my strategies in place and talking to people about that, whether it is peer support, whether it is a specialist, whether it is a, a close friend who you feel that you can talk to, having someone that you can talk to uh, about this would be really beneficial. And giving yourself time is not an overnight uh, thing to heal from trauma. Um, so giving yourself that grace that, that it does take time. So in terms of, of treatments, uh, so in the UK, there are uh, two types of talking therapies that are recommended in the UK. The first is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, so EMDR. And this is thinking about that the, the way we process memories. And it's to do, I, and I am not an expert on this, but it's to do with rapid, uh, with the rhythmic eye movements 
while recalling the traumatic event and it's about trying to let uh let go of some of the trauma that's stored in uh, in the body more uh, i believe is the um the, the kind of thinking around this and it's something that i am learning more about because i'm very interested in in how it works and then there is a form of cognitive behavioral therapy of cbt which is trauma focused uh so there there is a uh, yeah specific trauma focused cbt that is also uh, recommended in terms of medication that's something that is not routinely prescribed so with mental health with the experiences there are things that can coexist so it might be that you have not just ptsd but you have depression as well or you have difficulty sleeping and that is having an impact so it might be that you may be offered medication as well possibly an antidepressant so it's it's i guess medication is more for those associated things or symptoms rather than for the ptsd itself and again so the nhs website and mind have loads and loads of information if you want to find out more um, and la- so lastly if you're listening to this and you have a friend a family member a, a colleague a loved one who is experiencing symptoms of ptsd or complex ptsd some quick suggestions of how you can support them and the big one that I would always recommend for any type of mental mental illness, mental health experience, or just generally for good relationships is listening. Giving people time to talk, not just jumping in, not assuming how they feel, not making suggestions, just listening, giving them that space. Because as people, we just want to feel heard and understood. And our natural inclination is we want to fix people because we don't want people to be upset and we want to help people and so we can jump in or we can be thinking about ourselves and kind of throw in our own experience so it is a skill but if you can just give them space to talk that's just amazingly helpful (laughs) on its own and something i would just recommend trying not to judge again and around mental health there are so many misconceptions there are so many ideas of these just move on just you know you're fine now get over it just just do this just 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 and they're all coming from judging and possibly from not having experienced these things themselves so healing takes place at its own time it cannot be rushed and so just being there for that person and not judging them not blaming them for where they're at just being there and supporting them when they need it so important and if you're uh, as we, we just talked about triggers so if you are, have a loved one who is experiencing PTSD if you know their triggers so you know in a certain situation if there is a loud noise for example that you know that that may be a trigger for them so that you are kind of ready to support them if they need it whether that is is helping to get them to some of them more comfortable or talking to them afterwards or reassuring them or helping them with their grounding or whatever it looks like, learning those triggers so that you can support them. And and this might be, depending on your relationship, having a conversation. You know, I think we can feel awkward talking about mental health, but listening to people, but then having that curiosity of wanting to support them, so wanting to understand as much as you're able to of what their triggers are, what their strategies are, so that you can support them, I think. is I know for me, 
and I, I don't uh, believe I have PTSD, but thinking about anxiety generally, my close friends, uh, they know some of the things that I find particularly difficult. So they are mindful of those. And even if they don't think of them and I just say, I need to leave this situation, they have that, that awareness of them to then be able to, even if at the time <laughs> it's like we're leaving a restaurant and maybe a bit of annoyance, which can be natural, on reflection, they kind of know that's why. So having those conversations is really important. Just respecting boundaries, I think, of what people are comfortable with and, and not, and just trying to be considerate and be understanding and uh, and that kind of thing. And the last thing I, I guess I would, I would say is about also thinking about your own mental health because we can want to be there and, and support our loved ones and this is something that we talked about before this this idea of not being able to give from an empty cup so if you are supporting someone with whatever they're experiencing in their life then also looking after your own mental health so thinking about your own well-being the the tips we talked about at the beginning uh, seeking support if you need it trying to be there but I guess not being a martyr about it if that makes sense and I've sort of been talking about I've been in uh for myself delving into archetypes a bit which is why sort of that came to mind that we can want to give 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 sometimes but actually we need to have that personal boundary and that that self-care in place so that we can continue to do that so absolutely be there for your friends and family is so important to feel supported because I think the nature of of mental illnesses generally is that they can feel really isolating you can feel like you are alone that no one understands and that you're the only person going through this experience and there are other people who have experienced something similar no one has experienced exactly the same because we are all unique individuals but you are not alone in struggling with whatever you're struggling with at the moment and hopefully there is some comfort in that and it's not there's nothing to diminish from you know how difficult it can be but that it it's not just you and there is support and understanding out there and I just I guess I'd like to try and offer some hope that it is possible to get through these difficult times and so you know re-listen to Sheila re-listen to to Tiffany in that episode if you want to hear more of these stories of people who are who have experienced PTSD and they are these amazing women who have got through it and they're sharing their experience to help other people. Um, not saying that you have to go on to do that as well, but it is possible to heal and move through it uh, and to have that awareness of, of your triggers or of whatever is going on to be able to manage things. Because I think sometimes we maybe, maybe we don't completely heal from something or get, or get through something. It's maybe always going to be there in the background but we can learn to manage it and to me that is kind of the the crux of of well-being it is about being able to appreciate the highs and really live life but there will be difficult times and it is about being able to manage those and be able to handle them uh, so I feel I'm rambling a bit now so <laughs> I'm gonna stop there but hopefully that is helpful uh, about PTSD about kind of mental health uh, generally um, and yeah, for support, um, absolutely NHS Minds. If you are in the US, there's uh, there are resources on the National Institute of Mental Health website, uh, and I'm sure um, 
a lot of other places to get support. I'm afraid I don't have too many US specific resources, but feel free to drop me a message if you've got some that you'd like to recommend and I will absolutely share them. Uh, so I feel like I've spoken a lot today, so I'm gonna round up there and just the last thing I'm going to ask is that if you have enjoyed this episode and you found it valuable, I, I would encourage you, would be really appreciative if you would share it with someone that you know that you think would benefit from it because I think it is such an important conversation for us to be having and particularly at the moment uh particularly at the moment because june is ptsd awareness month so that's why this episode is coming out in june um maybe i should have said that at the beginning sorry <laughs> i will um, absolutely say that when i share on social media but uh yeah we should be having this conversation so please do share this uh with uh, anyone that you think would value hearing the uh, the conversation that we've had today and if you are able to rate and review the podcast then that would be amazing so that's it for me for this week have a good week look after yourself think about your own well-being and we will be back next week with another episode take care bye <laughs>